Hey, welcome to the Micro Entrepreneur Podcast, The Magic of Thinking Small. I'm Julie Hall, the founder of microentrepreneur.biz and womenunlimitedworldwide.com, one of the UK's most popular women in business websites. On this podcast, my main goal is to help you with marketing, mindset, and smart business strategies to help you build a successful micro business. Listen weekly as I share with you the proven strategies and tips on how to build and grow your micro business from real micro business owners just like you. If you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, head over to microentrepreneur.biz and sign up for our newsletter, and you'll also get a copy of my free download of the top 10 business tools that I couldn't live without. I look forward to connecting with you over there. Now, on to the show. Hey, and welcome to episode 25 of Micro Entrepreneur, the magic of starting small. I have changed my strap line. So instead of being the magic of thinking small, which I did really like, but felt like it was kind of encouraging you guys to not pursue your dreams or not have a big vision for your business, I've decided to change my strap line to the magic of starting small because I believe there's a lot of power in being a small business, a micro business, building a business that works right from the beginning and works at a small size, at which point you can then decide if you want to grow big or if you want to stay small and just have a really fantastic business. So that's my first big piece of news. So I had a great time this week speaking with Dee Blick, who is the author of The Ultimate Guide to Writing and Marketing, a best-selling book, The 15 Essential Marketing Masterclasses for Your Small Business, and The Ultimate Small Business Marketing Book. Now, Dee um, has been somebody that spoke at our conference, and I think she's a really fantastic woman. And her latest book is phenomenal. I was very interested in it for very obvious reasons. Um, but she has also agreed to do the forward for my book, which is so exciting. I'm really thrilled because I think she's a fantastic businesswoman herself. And her books really are something that should be in every small business owner's business book library. Try saying that 10 times fast. So I'm so pleased that she's agreed to do it. The book is coming along really nicely. Um, I did two other interviews this morning for our case studies, which brings me on to my next point, which is that I'm desperately looking for some male case studies. Now, I obviously know lots of very successful female business owners, but I would really love to have a few male business owners who've built successful micro businesses in the book as well. So if you know anybody, please email me, julie at microentrepreneur.biz. I'd love to hear from you, but it has to be fast because I need to get all of these interviews out of the way by next Wednesday, uh, which is December 17th, I believe. Um, so if you're listening to this um, early on in the week and you know somebody that's built a really interesting business or even a really dull business but are doing it really well and um, have managed to create a successful business out of it, then I would love to hear from you or love to hear from them. So without further ado, I'm going to move on to the podcast with Dee. In this podcast, we talk specifically about writing and marketing, a best-selling book. Um, and then next week, we've got 
got and we've got a twofer so next week we've got Dee talking about marketing strategies uh, I think you're in for a real treat she's a brilliant interviewee and just has so much wisdom and knowledge to share so I hope you enjoy the interview and I will catch up with you next week take care Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of Micro Entrepreneur, The Magic of Thinking Small. This week, I have with me best-selling author, Dee Blick. Hi, Dee. Hi. Now, Dee has written a number of books. So actually, what we're going to do is make this a two-parter. In the first uh, part, we're going to talk about her most recent book, which is called The Ultimate Guide to Writing and Marketing, a Best-Selling Book on a Shoestring Budget. And then we're going to talk about marketing, which is Dee's background, and the books that she wrote that were bestsellers. So um, thanks very much for joining me today, Dee. A pleasure. Now you have an absolute wealth of experience in marketing. You've been, is it, would I be right in saying you've been doing marketing for 20, oh, over yeah. 20 years? 30, 30 years I didn't want to say 30 but I know I, know. I mean I, I'm 52 now and I started when I was 21 and it's all I've ever known as a career so yeah it's what that's 31 years isn't it that's amazing that's amazing and you're a consultant uh, an expert speaker an author I mean you've you know this has really been what you are dedicating your life to yeah, and I love it. And I think it's natural that when you get to a certain stage, if you stick at something long enough, people assume you've got a brain and then you start to get opportunities that arise as a consequence of that. And so it's all just natural, almost evolution of you as a, of me as a businesswoman, to be honest with you, that you get this, this great rucksack of expertise on your back and then suddenly the floodgates start to open to other opportunities. So when did you become a micro-entrepreneur yourself? Do you know, it's interesting because I never think of myself as an entrepreneur. It's interesting you ask that question. I, I would never, I wouldn't describe myself as one. I guess that's something that it's nice that you think I am one. Um, so I, I don't know whether I can answer that or not and say, when did I become one? I've, I've just always, I've always worked really hard and I've always tried to put my fears to one side when I push into something new that could advance me at a professional and a personal level. And so I guess all that happens is that eventually people start to look at you in a different way and probably see you as an entrepreneur. But whether I see myself, I just always think this might sound mad. You know, it's like mother of two boys, desperately trying to juggle writing career, um, looking half decent apart from on Skype talk today with my pink Asda sweatshirts on because I'm so cold because we haven't got the wood burning stove on in the office. But yeah, I, I guess how we see ourselves is not the way that others see us, is it? But it's nice that you describe me like that. Thank you. No, well, you know, it's my pleasure. But I, you know, I do think you're an entrepreneur. For me, an entrepreneur is someone who takes a risk and brings some value into the world and effectively you've done that <laughs> uh, yeah, I, well I think that's a fantastic definition in which case I have no problem assuming that title I, I, I love it then yeah definitely I, I do take risks and um, we've taken big financial risks I take risks when I say risk to reputation it's not doing scurrilous things it's just that the more public you become the more risk you're taking because you're risking you know looking a bit of an oaf yes. or not performing in a way that people respond with open arms to you so yeah I think that's a, a great description that I would say I, I fit that definitely brilliant well and that brings us quite nicely into this your re most recent book about uh, 
you know, writing a bestseller because obviously a book is um, is a great way of building your profile. It's a platform that you can use to use for speaking, to use for um, getting new clients. But it is incredibly exposing, isn't it? As as I'm discovering. <laughs> It is incredibly exposing. And the, the, the other thing I'd share with you, and I'm probably a little bit different to some business or nonfiction authors, in that I've never written a book for career advancement or for money or for being perceived to be more than I am now. I, I think where I'm different is I see myself as being a born writer who became a marketer. So writing books for me was more of this, I like what you said about the desire to share. And I swear to God, it's never been about money or fame or fortune. And the irony is that I think if you come at it from the point of view of wanting to share as much good stuff as possible, then the money, the fame and the fortune seems to follow in its way because you're that obsessed about creating an amazing product, an amazing book, and you're that obsessed about readers loving it and benefiting from it that you you slog over something, you go the extra mile. Does that make sense rather yeah. than... It was never at right. Okay, I'm I'm now at this stage in my career. I must write a book and become, and therefore I'll get more work and I'll I'll hopefully become famous. That's never been my, and I'm not deriding people who do do that. All power to them, but just for me, it was it was never about that. Yeah, and I mean the the, the you've written three books prior to this. And have, you've yeah. been you've been quite on on quite a publishing journey, which I think is. Um, which is really interesting because the first book you self-published. Yes. Which was called, remind me of the name? Um, Powerful Marketing on a Shoestring Budget. Made loads of mistakes. Hadn't got a clue what I was doing apart from the fact that I, thank God I could write because the rest of it, frankly, fell by the wayside. <laughs> and then the second book was your big breakthrough book, wasn't it? Oh, my God, yeah. That, that, that has been the journey and a half. That's taken me, well, it's, that's called the ultimate small business marketing book. And do you know what? It is still the number one best-selling small business marketing book on Amazon. I went on just before we, um, we we checked in here, and it was still number one on Amazon in the top 100 best-selling small business marketing books. And that's three and a half years after I've written it. That's, that's astounding, was, isn't it? And, and you've I'm, had I mean, hundreds of, of um, five-star reviews. I mean, yeah. there's nobody has given you less than five stars on that book. Well, actually, I think I've had the most incredible three one-star reviews. It's worth going on to Amazon and checking that book out for the one-star reviews alone because they really are epic. There's no, I didn't really like it. They really are in the... And I, I always say you've not made it as an author until you've got one-star reviews, quite frankly. So yeah, I'm okay. You're I'm all right okay. with that. I think there's 155 five-star reviews of that book. And the third one, there are 92 five-star reviews and three, four stars. So yeah, I mean, the reviews are amazing. And that's why I'm always glad I've spent so long slogging on my books, because otherwise your readers will tell you with all the one star or two star reviews, and I couldn't bear that. That would just about, you know, do me in. And so the second book you published with a company called um, it was Filament, Filament Publishing. Publishing. Yeah, I, I paid for it. So ostensibly, you can call it self-publishing, vanity publishing, call it what you like. I didn't get a publishing deal for that. So it, it pretty much is self-publishing. But the uh, the benefit of going with Filament was I got lots of extra advice, uh, whereas with Author House that I self-published with, don't get me wrong, they were okay for where I was at that point in time. But 
I was clueless and I probably didn't get as much help as I needed. And that's what led me to write this book was there's a lot of voids of understandable ignorance with authors starting out as to how they best get their book into print and to market. And that's what led me to write the latest book, just looking at the mistakes I've made with mine and also the things other authors have told me about the mistakes they made with theirs. But I think the third book, I got a publishing deal for that. I actually got paid to write the book. And that was with Wiley? Yeah, that was with Wiley, who were absolutely amazing. What a brand. I mean, but again, I didn't go with that for fame and fortune. It was on my little wish list as a writer that I thought, oh, I'd love to get a publishing deal. You know, be careful what you wish for, because they approached me. I didn't go to them. They approached me and the publishing, the chief commissioning editor said to me, probably me naively, he said, oh, would you like to come to us, to me as in London? Or oh, we can come to you. I said, oh, no, no, come to me, come to my home office. So there I am with two of these giants of, in publishing, <laughs> sitting in my little office having cup, a cup of tea. But that was an incredible experience getting a publishing deal. And that was a little box I ticked there. So I'd always wanted, I'd dreamt of a publisher finding me, not me even you know, finding me and saying, we'd like to pay you to write the book of your dreams. And so when that opportunity came knocking, I was like, oh, yes, please. <laughs> I'll have that. Thank you. And then this last book, did you go back through filament again for that? Yeah, I, I did. But this time I didn't pay anything, even though, because Chris sort of knows I'm a, a, a hot shot allegedly when it comes to selling books and so I think he was more than happy to to back and support me and I just I, I done get in the publishing deal it's like you don't always have to repeat experiences in life I, I have these little things on my wish list and that was one of them so I went back to filament because when you go with a publisher understandably they've got an agenda and there's a certain way they want things to be done when you do it yourself, you know, I'm probably like, yeah, I'm a bit of a maverick. I like to make and break my own rules. And so for this book, I thought this has got to be exactly as I want it to be without any outside intervention. Good. I mean, but that's, I think that's, I think it's important. It's one of the things, you know, that I'm finding as I'm writing. Uh, there are parts that I definitely wouldn't want people to change. There are parts that I really like because it expresses, I think, the the entrepreneurial journey really perfectly and and I don't want to sugarcoat it I don't want to soften some of those messages you know you're right you're, you're, you are so right and I think you're a you're a strong assertive and experienced businesswoman and so you know your own mind you've got masses of experience so probably all you need is a bit of coaching now and again just to sort of like help you and keep you inspired and empowered whilst you're writing your book yeah so You've mentioned mistakes a few times yeah. already, uh, <laughs> and we're only about 10 minutes in. So let's hear some of those big ones that uh, uh, that you've come up against and that I mean, you would, you know, um, particularly for people that are doing this for the first time. Yeah. I think mistakes I made with my first book, the biggest thing was I did not express my voice in as assertive and robust a way as I should have done. I was a bit timid, so I held back from revealing some context. I just thought, am I knowledgeable enough? Am I an expert enough to reveal this? So I, I had a bit of a crisis of self-confidence with my first book. And all right, it's done well. I mean, it sold about 5,000 copies and it's still selling today. But it wasn't the deep power voice that I've got now just through the confidence. And so I was a bit timid with that book. Uh, logistically, the, the cover is naff. I didn't get a professional designer involved. Shame on me. No wonder I trumpet the importance of design now, but I didn't get a professional designer involved. And the cover shows I, I didn't really get 
I didn't study what it would take to craft a great chapter. So although the content is good, simple things like I didn't summarize chapters. I didn't say what the reader would get out of the chapter. I, I was scant on the, I've got a whole chapter, as you know, in my new book, I call it the additional pages that sell your book. Things like a lovely acknowledgements page, a really useful forward that's being written by somebody that knows, likes and respects you. I did none of that with my first book. And so although I was really proud to get the the book published and out there, it was kind of 70% of D. It wasn't the like 150% that I'm giving my readers now that, if you like, from book two onwards, the reader's getting all of me and I'm not shy. I'm not worried about my voice. I don't have that voice of doubt that says, are you sure you're really an expert? Should you really be sharing that? Aren't there people that know, know more than you? So that's it really, Julian. And the thing is that I'm never, ever afraid to admit mistakes. Even when I, I talk at some huge venues now, like the business show, and I always share how I've made mistakes because for God's sakes, we're human, aren't we? And I think it kind of inspires other business women and business guys that, you know, she's doing okay. And if she can make all these mistakes, it's perfectly okay to be perfectly imperfect. So I don't have any qualms about that's the benefit of 52 is you've got nothing left to prove anymore. Exactly. No, I agree completely. And I think it's, um, it's one of the things I really like most about Women Unlimited and about this podcast is that actually, you know, we're not afraid to kind of tell it how it is, because none of us have all the answers, right? And life, uh, life and business, I think, to some degree is a bit of an experiment. So some of those things are going to go the way you expect and hope and some of them aren't. And that's, That's just the way of it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And also, we're not we're not actually destined to be fault free. I think <laughs> what makes people to me lovable and the people I respect are the ones that can say, you know, I'm doing really now, but my God, did I make mistakes? And and you know, I make some mistakes now as well. What what's wrong with that? I think the ones that are almost the the steel rod. I, I don't feel that those entrepreneurs are as entrepreneurs are as popular and respected today and I know that from the business show that I was speaking there last week about how to be, build your expert status and I started out by talking about my fear of public speaking when I started out by some of the mistakes and the amount of emails I had afterwards and tweets from people I had two women said I'd inspired them to carry on with their business because they thought if I could stand there and talk about my mistakes and still push through it and even things like getting repetitive strain injury and all those bits and bobs you know with my um, my body and I love that I thought well that's why I do this I don't do it to be like oh my god isn't she an icon it's like let's just get all that stuff out of here and shared and, and a big barrier to that is when people try and act as though they have got all the answers and they're made of some kind of material that makes them superhuman. Yeah, Teflon. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not into all that. And so, yeah, mistakes. I mean, I, obviously, I share all the great things as well. But I like I like doing a heady mix of great things. You know, breakthrough moment. You're the same, aren't you? And I've seen you. You're an amazing woman. That conference I came to. I'll never forget that. You did that amazing conference where you had Laura Morgan. Then you were there on the stage. Um, that was great because it was so warm and human as well as being inspiring. Oh, well, thank you. So so kind of trusting yourself, I suppose, is the first first big mistake. What other mistake do you, mistakes do you feel that we should be aware of as we go into this journey as an author or writer? I think that... Um, we, we need to call upon help when it's when we it's needed and where we realize our skill sets fall short. So big things I would say, being practical, I think that a lot of authors 
they steam into the book without fully thinking through their big idea and who their readers are. What I would say for any authors, before you even put pen to paper and start writing content, it will really help that you sit down and explore, why am I writing this book? What's the big idea I'm going to share? And, and who are my readers? And, and then you start to think about well, what kind of content is going to pad out my big idea, you know, gathering together all the useful strands that we've been pushing out into that universe for many years, rather than what most authors do, which is steam in there. And then halfway through the book, they lose their impetus or they lose their motivation because they haven't thought it through. They've ground to a halt. So I think a lack of planning is what I see. And I talk to a lot of authors now at different events. I was speaking at one at the Institute of Directors last week and quite a few of them were lovely people. You could just tell that they'd gone straight caught up in the whole idea of writing a book rather than actually thinking what their book was going to be about first. So, um, so what are some strategies that we could employ to avoid that? Right. Simple things are buy a great big pad that's got dividers and a pocket at the back. I would say with your book, if you've got material now, pull together all of the material that you have created. Get that. That makes you feel quite inspired because you realize this isn't such an uphill road that I'm climbing now. I've created a lot of this material already. Get that into one place. Then set time aside. You know, give yourself writing time. I used to have to get up because I've got a full-time business, sometimes at five on a morning. Book time out in your diary to plan your book and to write your book. So give it the the headspace and the time space that it deserves. I just think that being organized is so important. Equally, be prepared whenever inspiration strikes. I, I could have been in Tesco's. I'd get an idea for a chapter and if I haven't got a pad to hand and a pen to scribble it down you know have that at the side or always be ready when inspiration strikes to capture it don't be afraid to get yourself a writing buddy I had my brother I think I share in the book I had my brother but find find people that inspire you and that will support you and that you can bounce ideas off and I think as well things like this might sound quite hard because I'm I'm both gentle on myself and hard on myself I would say don't give yourself the indulgence of writer's block. What I used to do is if I, I would sit there and my head wasn't, it wasn't flowing, I'd think, right, we'll have a 10-minute fresh air break, go and see the hens. Or I'd just think, well, forget that chapter for today. You're struggling with it. Just edit what you've already written. So what I'm saying is if you've allocated time to writing and what you planned on writing is not coming out so that you're struggling with the chapter, move to something that's an easier task for you to accomplish because – these small steps make you feel much more inspired. Other practical steps that I would say, Julie, is once you've planned out your book, is start talking about it on Twitter. Mm. Start to build a, a Twitter or whatever your social channel is. I mean, Twitter was amazing for me. But start to share your little nuggets of your writing journey. One, that inspires you. And two, you're getting a little tribe of people that will be there ready to buy your book when it's actually at the stage of being ready to release to market. Oh, I love that. I'm going to create a micro-entrepreneur hashtag, I think, and yeah. uh, and just put in kind of little lines that I think are, that I like from the books, things that yeah. are meaningful. That's a, that's a great marketing tip, isn't it? Because you get people starting to follow that straight yes. away. Yeah, definitely. One of, one of the things that I found most useful, and, and you know, because actually I picked up your book probably when it was about two weeks ago, and... Um, realized that I hadn't been doing this and that was finishing 
my chapter or my piece of work that I was working on uh, before I stopped for the day because it allowed me to really complete the thinking around the subject so that when I started the next day I could start I could come at a new topic with a fresh mind rather than trying to remember where I was Um, and that was one of the the really big tips that I took from your from your book in terms of writing practice yes yeah no it's a good one and I think as well uh, is you can sometimes be quite rigorous in following a process like that but equally I would say when you finished a chapter is let it stew for a few days or a few weeks and revisit it with a fresh pair of eyes and what I what I would find is I'd write a chapter in my book and I think it was perfect I think wow this is great my editor is going to love this then I go back to it like five days later and think who the hell were you kidding you know did, did you have and I think it's um we almost have to realize that there's an evolution of a chapter and it doesn't start and finish at the first, second or third draft. I think no. book, I talk a lot in the book about uh, editing our own work before it goes to our editors. And that's because, again, we're not built that we can just throw the perfect chapter up and then send it to our editor because our, what happens is we create this chapter we move on and then suddenly things start to come into our brain about that previous chapter. We think, oh my goodness me, I've got to add that case study in or that paragraph. I'm not sure about it now. So I think we've got to allow ourselves space between finishing a chapter and then getting it to our editor. And in between that, I reckon a good chapter will undergo several revisions. The final stage, you're tinkering. And I think when we start over tinkering, it's get it to the editor. I got to the point with that book that you're reading now that I was almost beginning to fine-tune to the point of insanity mm. you know and I was then thinking then I got to the point of thinking is this a useful book at all shall I bother releasing it? all these mad things coming into my head I got too close to it really do you know it's I, I think it's such an interesting point because well there's a couple of things one I was struggling and I've talked a couple of times on this podcast about um about procrastination and kind of falling off the horse if you like you know and needing to get back on thankfully fully back on now but what I decided to do was kind of revisit some of the stuff that I'd written already and um, and do an edit because I thought well that will keep me motivated and inspired and I discovered one that editing takes twice as long as writing the thing in the first place right and as you're editing and you're going through it you know you are going shit this is really rubbish what am I doing you know and, and that can be quite disheartening but you've got to trust that actually that's you know that's it's a phase it's a moment and and everything this the first draft that you put out is all it's the it's creating the piece of clay that then needs to be sculpted right yeah and the way you're talking is bliss to my ears this this to me is a proper author talking to another author rather than somebody that wants to fire off an assembly of blogs that they haven't even checked through I think that this is what defines us as authors that we actually respect the craft and the craft of writing is not just about getting the thoughts down. It's like, just like you say, it's shaping it and modeling it to a point where we say, do you know what? That's the very best I can give now. Now it's time for my editor to see what they think about it also. It's really interesting because I was given a book to, I was given a book by an author. I won't even say what genre it was. It wasn't fiction. And they were very keen for me to review it. And I had to almost make an excuse as to why I couldn't review it because they had not 
used the services of an editor. They had written their first draft, and in one chapter alone, I think there were about 12 spelling mistakes. Mm. There was repetition of the points. There were paragraphs that made no sense. And I just thought, this is a stream of consciousness of somebody who put the first chapter down and then thought it was okay. And I think the benefit of self-publishing is that we can all now, we can go on Create Space and produce it for free. Well, hey, we can produce books like they're going out of fashion. We can use Kindle Direct to get our books on there for free. And that's wonderful. But the downside of self-publishing is that it's given a, a gateway to I wouldn't even call them authors, but probably people that want to have to say, I've got a book. I've, I've got a book, whether it's in written or online format. And it's pretty rubbish, the content. And this person that gave me that book, it was diabolical. Mm. And I just thought flipping out and they put it on Amazon and it's not selling whatsoever. And I can understand why. But this is about reputation building as well. But the last thing you want is to produce a book and get panned universally by by readers saying, I spent X amount of money on this book. She couldn't even give it a good edit. (laughs) (laughs) You don't even get past the content at that stage, do you? No, you don't. You don't. Yeah, I mean, I was asked to give a... um, uh, like a little testimonial for a book and I opened up I was sent the first chapter and in the first two paragraphs she cited two statistics that were wrong and I just thought I, I can't I can't put my name to this and when it came out it had like lots of my peers names on it and I just thought wow you know people just they don't it's when you're when you you know when you're giving a testimonial to the book to a book you are putting your reputation on the line as well right and your name as well when you think yeah. about to build your good name the same with me and I get asked to write forwards to books and I always say show me the entire book I will not write a forward till I've read the book and I respect it because you're right that because the thing is then the reason why you're being asked to lend your name is that person knows they can tout it out as you know Julie Hall has approved of my book Julie Hall <laughs> loved it. And then the people are thinking, does she? What, you know, <laughs> yeah. She must have been going through a bit of a funny phase when she approved of that one kind of thing. And then your name is there because they're naturally yeah. using I get that completely. Before I became a well-known author, I'd have been exactly the same that you, you're drawn to people that you perceive to be successful. And if you can help them in some way, but for that person, uh, it's a very different thing altogether. It's about maintaining your good name, isn't it? And there's nothing that will drive it down the swanny more than endorsing a poor book, you know, yeah. crap <laughs> So, so now, so going through, you've given us some great practices in terms of actually writing the book. Um, just explain the difference between the different publishing options that are available. I mean, in my experience, and what I had to do also, because my publishing knowledge is limited, I had to bring in other experts as well. But ostensibly, what you've got is you can get a publishing deal, fantastic, where you get paid by the publisher or it could be you get a publishing deal but they don't pay you the likes of Wiley will pay you there are a lot of small publishers are springing up that will publish a book for, for free on the basis that they reckon that because you're a good you're a good speaker you've got a profile they can make money from you so you can get a publishing deal either get paid to write it or not you can publish yourself virtually for free using the likes of Create Space, a small you've got like Lightning Source. I mean, Create Space is an Amazon-owned entity. With a Lightning Source, which is a UK-based brand, you can get your books published there at a very, very low cost. I think it's about a £50 setup fee. And then they can actually distribute your books to anywhere using the one ISBN number. And is that distributed to shops as well as online? 
you know what? It's highly, uh, unless you are a famous author or your topic is extremely well, it's extremely popular and you're the in-demand person, it's unlikely it will be stocked in bookshops, but that does not stop you from contacting. I always say start with your local bookshops. It's very hard to get into the likes of Smith's nowadays. They've got buying panels and the likes of Smith's, they've got big multi-million pound deals with publishing groups like Wiley who buy space in Smith's for their authors. And those authors have got a spotlight, a halo around them on that Smith's bookshelf for about eight weeks. Then it's the next lot of Wiley authors that are coming in. And so... I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's damn hard. You can Mm. get into the likes of Waterstone just by approaching the local branches. If you're on a database, which you will be if you go to, say, Lightning Source to get your books produced yourself, then you'll be on a database. You know, Waterstones will actually be able to see the details of your book. So you're not guaranteed at all a shelf in a bookshop. But to be honest with you, nowadays, if you look at how books are sold, you've got the likes of Smashwords and you've got... um, the likes of Amazon, and that's where most of the books are shifted. You know, I shift thousands on Amazons. I haven't shifted thousands in bookshops. I've probably shifted hundreds in bookshops, but certainly not thousands. So you can publish for free on the likes of CreateSpace, provided you get the right formatting. And I think in my book, I give two case studies of Janice Long and Richard White, two authors that use CreateSpace really well. And I I share the upside and the downside. I then give the example of Jeff Scott, who went through Lightning Source. My example of going through Filament Publishing, that's now called Partnership Publishing. And I would say, beware. The reason I say beware, I'm on a bit of a hobby horse about this, is that you can go with a partnership publisher. It's another word for vanity publishing. You're paying them to produce your book. But the, the sexy term is partnership publishing because you buy as much or you should be able to buy as much or as little of that partnership publisher's services. I have had in the last month since writing this book, I had an author came to me. He said he'd been quoted £11,000 to produce his first novel from a partnership publisher. I got him on to create space. I mean, I think he did it with the advice I gave him. I said, buy the book, number one, Get the, read the publishing chapter. And I reckoned he could do it for under a grand, lock, stock and barrel using create space. He could do it under a grand using lightning, lightning source as well. Now, what a partnership publisher will say is, but we've got all this expertise in design and, and typesetting. Do you know what? There's so much availability nowadays looking at uh, freelance sites. And even an example would be you go to somebody like you and say, could you recommend a good book designer? You could recommend people. Could you recommend a good typesetter for my book? Really, what all you need is a good designer, a good typesetter and a good editor. All of those services you can buy independently. Yeah. You then get somebody who's skilled, you typeset it to format it for, say, create space or get it in the right format for lightning space. That can normally be done for about under a grand or, say, between one and two thousand pounds if you're really pushing it. I'm not dissing partnership publishers because, say, Filament, who I went with, are incredible and very low cost, but I get, I'm getting so many scare stories of authors coming to me and saying they've been quoted telephone numbers. And I'm thinking, Jesus, well, you know, this, this novelist, get on to create space. It's your mm. first novel. It was a 20,000-word first novel that he was quoted 11 grand 11, for. £11,000. Normally, I get told that people have been quoted about five grand, And even this idea that they will do the marketing for you, believe you me, and I've seen it time and time again, the best person to do the marketing is you, you know, the author. Because even with Wiley, who used a PR, a PR guy for me, Jeff Scott, who wrote the foreword for my new book, what a publisher will do is they'll back you so far but they expect you to run with the PR for your book. They expect you to be speaking in public, 
to attend seminars, to be writing blogs, to be tweeting about it and blogging about it. That's even with a publisher that's paying you. And the same with a partnership publisher, unless you're paying thousands upon thousands of pounds. But even then, they might get you, say, into the, the Sun or the Sunday Times. It's one hit. Authors need to be doing this all the time, yeah. every, every day doing something. Like, today is a really positive thing for me. I'm doing something with you to talk about my book. That's what authors need to be doing every day, not handing over a wadge of cash, crossing their fingers that they'll make the lucky break, that their partnership publisher has a newspaper that's willing to accept that press release about their book and they get you know 20 words. I, th- I got a review in The Sun the other week, Julie. It was great for my new book. It was a fantastic review. There wasn't a spike in book sales because it was a tiny piece. It, you, you had to almost like, you know, read it 10,000 times to find it. <laughs> but I've, I've repurposed that piece and talked about it. And I've got some great, amazing coverage in the bag coming up. But what I'm getting at is that you could have paid £1,000 for that piece in the sun that gets you nowhere fast. So that's really my advice is try and do it under your own steam. But use the experts. Use the sort of pool that you've got in your networking group or that can signpost you to experts that will work with you on a freelance basis because really creating a book it's like a project management thing the author is a central part of the project obviously we're the big part of it but for us to be able to accomplish it we've got to pull in editors typesetters designers you know we've got to get a whole load of people around us to bring that idea to fruition why, why the hell can't we manage that ourselves why do we have to pay eight, 11 grand for that yeah I agree I agree but it's because it's like anything isn't it it's people feel confused they feel ignorant they don't understand how it works they don't understand the technology so the technology feels intimidating sorry so you know it's they they go with these um, partnership publishers because they just don't want the hassle but actually um it's really not that difficult and I've got to say I was so impressed Dee with your book and one of the reasons I really liked it um, was because you have ha- have a foot in both camps. So you have a foot in the self-publishing camp and you have a foot in the published camp. So you can talk, um, where you, as somebody's published published your book for you, so you can talk really knowledgeably about what it's like on both sides. And for anybody that is considering writing a book and marketing a book, I can highly recommend it because I wish I had read this book six weeks ago instead of two weeks ago. But there's still time, right? Um, (laughs) And and for me, one of the big things is just really is focusing first off on getting this first draft finished. Um, But while I'm doing that, because I'm not writing eight hours a day, I'm writing probably two to three, maybe on a really good day, I'll be writing four, but not very often. Um, That's good good going. Yeah, well, it's it's my whole focus at the moment. I really want to get it done. Um, But what things can I be doing or aspiring authors be doing along the way? I mean, you gave us this tip about sharing your stuff on Twitter, but what can we do while we're still in writing mode to start marketing our book? Okay, simple things that you can do is you can start identifying all of the online and physical publications that your readers are going to be reading. So you've got got a book, you you understand who your readers are. Where do they hang out? Start doing an exploration to where do these guys hang out? What do they read online? What exhibitions do they go to? Um, Where do they hang out to hear people speak? Uh, I would also say find the inspirational people in your 
in your tribe that can also promote your book for you. So start forging those connections now. Number one, I say, get find out where they all hang out, what they read, where they um, online and, and physically printed publications. Make a list. Find out who the journalists are and the editors and the bloggers that you should be touching up to actually have a review copy of your book. So when I was writing this book, I was vigorously doing that at the same time. I was going to review sites like The Book Bag and saying, love it if you'd review my book. Lo and behold, they reviewed it. It won an award. It got their nonfiction book of the month award. Wow. But I, I did all that long before the book, the ink was drying the book. But that thing as well about you're a very connected person. Most of us are connected. We've got our own circles of real influence. Then it gets a bit more diluted as it moves out. Find within your circles the key influencers that are going to be shouting about your book. So make a list of them and say to them, you're a key influencer. I'd absolutely love it if you take a review copy of my book before it launches. Mm. And how, how can I work with you so that you can promote it to your tribes? And I, you know this, you're a, you're a networker. It's what's, your essence is you're a natural giver and networker. So I think you're in a perfect position. But we, all, we, we can all do that. Get your book launch booked. This, this might sound really weird. I get my book launch date booked when I'm about a third of the way into writing my book for the simple reason that it motivates me to carry on writing. But I can also talk to lots of people about my book launch and say, I hope you're going to be free on this date. That gets them talking about it on oh, Twitter. I love it. Yeah. You know, so just, just lists. You cannot beat lists. And then I think as well, just think about um, – a, a, a good way to get early coverage is approach publications and say, this is my book. Um, here's an edited first chapter. Here are the chapters that I'm producing. I'd love to give you exclusive excerpts to share with your tribes. Would you like to do that? Again, I got into my, I'm in a glossy magazine this month. I've got three pages sharing excerpts. I'm in a big uh, magazine, a, a, a magazine for women called Etc. They're doing the same in January in the next month so stuff like that is you can be doing that whilst you're writing the book they don't need to see the finished copy but what it does it inspires you with confidence that my god there is a demand for this book that I'm writing but it means that you hit the ground running speaker slots find out again if you know where your tribes hang out a big thing for me was this business show that I speak at uh, Olympia and Excel and so I was straight in there. You know, I've got a new book coming out. Would you like to have me back as a keynote speaker? Thankfully, they said yes. But they're all simple things that before the book's out, you can get that traction going. And then when the book is out, make sure that your review copies, there's a whole chapter in my book on how to get professional reviewers to do a review of your book. And I was so lucky that I got Sue McGee, who runs the book bag. She contributed some amazing tips. My God, if you read that chapter on how to approach professional reviewers, because she was saying what reviewers don't like and what they do like. So get your list of professional reviewers drawn up. And that's based on the research you've done for your starving crowd, your readers, where they hang out that then means before the book's out you've already spoken to them and said I've got a book coming out I'd love to send you a brand I call it a pristine brand new copy of my book before it's in anybody else's hands how would you like me to send that to you simple stuff like that and that's before you're in the way hey, sleeves rolled up I'm now talk I'm now marketing it let your tribes at your networking groups know you know like for example with you if I was if I was coming up to London to one of your your events, I'd be sort of saying, oh, I've got a book coming out in the next two months. And I build, build a little opt-in database of people that want to receive the first chapter free mm. and a summary of content 
you know, you can easily do that, can't you? Getting that database drawn up. Then what that means is that my book got to number one in the writing category when it was lodged. So I got my little database of people that had said, we'd like the first chapter D and uh, an overview of the content. So, of course, I pushed it out, which meant that it got a nice a nice number one, which then meant I could go to other magazines and say, guess what? My book got to number one in the writing category. Are you interested in covering it? It's a bit like a snowball. It's momentum, isn't it? That To start with, it's hard work. You're like pushing it uphill, aren't you? But eventually you get that traction about six months in when it starts to roll down the hill of its own accord. Does that help? Yeah, no, it really does. And one of the things I really like about the advice that you give, Dee, is rather than going out and saying, you know, do a big launch, get as many people to buy on the same day so that you get this kind of spike, right, of of orders. You're like, this is a long-term game. You know, quite often you won't get your your book as a bestseller on the day one. But if you do the work and you dedicate time and effort to it, then it builds and it builds and it builds, right, which is exactly what you did with your ultimate guide to business, small business marketing. Absolutely right. And, it, and with the book I've got now, the the book that Wiley produced, it's outselling Ultimate in the first year. And it is, it's all about, it's not boom or bust. I always believe in that like tortoise versus hare, that you, okay, you might want to be a hare and get to number one, but then you've got to try and keep yourself there. And you can almost buy your way to number one in your category. I've seen authors do this where they've had this huge spike and and I don't blame them for going on Twitter. Absolutely right. Say, so guess what? I'm number one in my category. Here's a screenshot. And then a week later, they're not even in the top 100. Yeah. Or you know, not even actually, in the top 250,000 yeah, in books. That's right. You know? That's right. And so really, you, you should be aiming for the long haul with your book and not to be despondent that if you don't make it in the you know top 10 in its category to start with. And it will go up and down. You know, I think my three books, I think the latest book was 32. The other one was 10 and one was one in, in the category today. It will go up and down. But this is a long term game you're playing. Because yeah. you can always update the content. You just have a revised edition with new augmented content. So like your book, you might just think, right, a year's time, I'm going to update that. So like the Ultimate Small Business Marketing book, I'm updating it next year. And um, that will give it another three or four years of life. So you're looking at a long, a long, and you know, the money I say, I don't like talking too much about money, but you can make a lot of money over a long term, nice royalty checks coming in just by going for this, I'm going to be a tortoise and not a hare. You know, a spike might give you 20 book sales will get you to number one in your category and you'll learn about, depending on how you've published it, anything from £20 to about £80. You're really aiming for thousands of books over a good few years, aren't you? And that's what I try and say to authors that I speak to is, don't be worried if you don't get to number one on the first day. Let's see where you are in a few months' time. Now, that, I mean, with your ultimate guide to small business marketing, how many copies of that have you sold? I have sold, I, I, this sounds, I haven't counted in the last, it's over 20,000 copies. I haven't counted in the last six months where it is. It's also going into China. The big thing for me was I got a deal in China for Ultimate Small Business Marketing Book. I was told by Wally, if a book sells 5,000 copies, a marketing book is doing really well. That shifted 20,000. That was about six months ago. It's probably more now because I've not, I kind of move on in a way onto the next books. But the big thing about Ultimate is the potential that it's being released with it. There's a guy in America called Jeffrey Gittimer who's quite famous. He's written lots of sales books. And my book's being released with him in a dummies, his in a dummy style series in China. It's been the longest, most torturous journey getting a publishing deal in China. (laughs) 
they paid it. They paid me. The amazing thing is they, people can't believe I got a check out of China. It's fantastic. You know, I've got a deposit there. They, they paid me. It's about $4,000. But nevertheless, you know, it's fantastic to get that. But the potential with Ultima is the what it could do in China when it's actually launched there. And that's the bit that I'm quite excited about. It also got into, I think it was Texas University, it's syllabus reading for all the students there, all the business wow, and law. brilliant. There are 20,000 copies and I you know, I, I get an average of about £2.40 a book. It's not bad going for, um, you know, it was what was basically six months of hard work and it's a passive income that it's earned yeah. me. Yeah. Well, I could, honestly, I could talk to you about this for hours, Dee. <laughs> but, uh, but we do need to kind of draw a line on it. It's been absolutely fascinating. Again, the name of Dee's book is The Ultimate Guide to Writing and Marketing a Best-Selling Book. And if this is something you're thinking about, I highly, highly recommend it. Thank you so much for your time, Dee. And if somebody wants to find out about you or go to your website, where can they do that? Best place to get me is Twitter, just at dblick, or they can email me at d at themarketinggym.org. I will happily send the first chapter and an overview of the contents to any of your, any of the guys that are uh, tuning in. I'll just send the first chapter. If they think, oh, I'm not sure I want to buy it first. I want to see what she's really like. I'll send that off to them. But Twitter's a good place to get me because I am so maxed out during the day that Twitter, I can respond in my coffee breaks and stuff like that. So that's a really good place. And I get lots of authors come on to Twitter to ask me for advice. And I'm always happy to, to help. Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Dee. That's a pleasure. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Micro Entrepreneur Podcast. If you'd like to get a copy of the links mentioned, please head over to microentrepreneur.biz where you can also get a copy of my business tools that I couldn't live without. Also, I'm introducing a segment where I will answer one or two listener questions. So if there's a burning question that you have about your business, please leave a message, which you'll find the link to do over in the sidebar at microentrepreneur.biz. Who knows? I may even discuss it with one of our business experts. So you get two heads for the price of one. Finally, if you like the show, please do leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast site you are listening to this from, as it really helps us with our rankings and to get the word out. Thanks so much for your support. Until next time.